It's quite remarkable that um, the sermon this morning is a wonderful preparation for this topic. And uh, did you have an outline already, Bill? Thank you. There you go. About uh, the will of God be done. Let's first pray together. Almighty God and our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the opportunity to gather in Thy house to worship Thee. May it have been in spirit and in truth and according to Thy will. Lord, we know that so many of us wrestle with it one way or another. Thy will to be done in our lives and what that means and how to know whether we are Indeed, doing it, as we heard this morning, not only praying for it, but um, also to actually join the Lord Jesus in prayer. Not my will, but thy will be done. And yet to have that in harmony, that it may be not only our prayer, but our desire to do thy will. As it is thy delight. To do thy will, thy good pleasure. So, Lord, help us understand it, enlighten our understanding, and engage our affections, and direct our actions to, to be in thy will, that we may delight ourselves in thee. Forgive us our sins, Lord, our selfish pursuits help us to see and know ourselves and thee and Jesus Christ and our sent. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, it's good to, uh, to be here. Um, it's been good to be here already for a little while. And um, Dr. Bicky had to um, be somewhere else, and he says, uh, would you please do that class? I said, sure, I'll do it. And um, I didn't realize it would line up so nicely with Lord's Day 49, but there you go. It's part of God's will um, that it, it so happens to be. And um, if you have an outline, you see that I put the text, Psalm 37 there. And um, there's three key words there. There's a lot of key words, but three verbs particularly. Trust is the first one. What do you think are the other two? Delight and the other one? Commit. Exactly. And it's, it's loaded, that verse. I cannot go into all the details of it, but think about that verse as we go through this uh, topic. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land. That's a children's song. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. The second part, and, and it's a part of the first part, and verily thou shalt be fed, can also be translated, you will be fed with truth. 
You need truth if you want to know God's will. And then the second part, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. As Pastor Kelderman opened that, the biggest obstacle is self. Self-pleasing. And this is what we're trying to do, self-promoting, self-pleasing, self-everything. And we're going exactly the opposite of what God has created us to be. We were created to delight ourselves in the Lord. And then doing that, our desires will be met. That's why sin is not only bad, but it's insanity too. You know what the definition is of insanity. Anybody know? Right. And God says this is the way. You want to be happy? Be other-directed. Love God above all, and your neighbor as yourself, and in the, by, in the process is a byproduct. You'll be happy. That's what heaven is going to be. Trust, delight yourself in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. Then commit thy way into the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass your way. He will make it happen. The word commit thy way into the Lord. Have you know Dutch? Anybody know Dutch, what it says in the Dutch? Yes, tell me, in the Bible. Yeah, yeah go ahead. What's it? <laughs> she just hears Dutch, and that's enough. <laughs> yeah, there's an, another word. There's another word. Nee, niet vertrouwen. No. What, Dr. Barrett, what's the root word there? Oops. To roll. So get it now? Ventil u weg. It's roll it off your back. So what's the best way to do it? Not to carry it yourself. Do you see how beautiful this verse is? If you would study it more, you would get even more out of it. But we have to move on. So all of that, there's a couple of key things that have to happen. And this morning was a beautiful introduction. So the first thing that I put there is, Know yourself. If you want to know if you are in God's way or will, you have to know you. What you're like. How you'd fit in this society. You have to know yourself. That is, how, how will I know when I'm going to do the right thing that, that suits me? Well, it's a very important thing is Knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, weaknesses. What else? Knowing your heart, knowing your. Well, if you did, if you're a young person or older person, you want to know what to do and what would suit you best. Knowing your what? Strength. Yeah. Okay. What else? Pardon? Desires. Purpose? But then that's the question again, right? That, that, so what do you need to know about yourself? Your talents. Talent. Your talents. Your gifts. The things that you cannot do very well and the things that you can do very well. It's very important that you know yourself. Know who you are. 
Your weaknesses too. We need help with that. Why do we need help with that? Why do we need help with that? You see the text there? You read it. Read the whole thing. The text. Jeremiah 17. It's right there. You want to read it or you can't read it? Read it. Keep going. But I, the Lord, search the heart, try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So, there it is. Right? So, we can't know it just by ourselves. We need to ask others to help us. God made us, yes, but he also made us circumstances. He places right here in life, wherever it is. And, and you have to find your way. And both you and I... Both us and our circumstances, God created, provided. So we cannot do it ourselves. So we pray. Can somebody else please read the prayer, 139, Psalm 139. Just start. Yep, go ahead. My heart, my thoughts, and God knows the way. I don't know it. That text is not that God would know. When you say, search me, O God, know my heart, of course God knows it already. He wants us to know. He wants us to know who we are. So to be led on, that, on the right way. So we ask God for that. But who else and why do we ask others? Pardon? Why do we ask also others? We ask God in prayer, but why should we also ask others about us? Right? What else? Why would you ask? Why would a son ask his father? Wise, what else? They know you. <laughs> they know you. Of course, often we think that they don't. We often think that we know better, but that fits the text. We, we don't. We need the people around us. God placed these people there too. Parents, sometimes advising children, but maybe children sometimes advising parents. When we see something happen that we know, this is not the right way, mom or dad or son or daughter. Do you really want to do that? Do you think it really fits you? They know us. And God put them there. So it can be close friends, could be a pastor, could be an elder. And particularly godly ones. Why? Why should we ask godly? They know God and the word of God and they know us. No better guides. So this one, know yourself. If you want to know if you're in God's will or how to choose what decisions to make, 
You have to know yourself, but you have to know God. To know God's will, you have to know God. Not just know yourself, but Him. Not just it, the will, but Him. Keep this in mind as we keep going and why that is so important. It's just like in other family relationships. Right? Friendship, family, marriage. How do you know, husbands, what your wife wants? (laughs) That's a good one. Quite often they don't. Right? So you have to maybe search that out. In order to know what your wife wants, you have to know your wife. You have to find out who she's... And the other way around too, though. Don't, don't get me wrong. I don't want it to just be a one-way thing. It's going to be two-way, right? So it's all to do, to do with knowing the person, to know the will and the want and the desire of that person. What the other person wants. You need to know that person. So, how to know God's will is very plain. I'd look at the next text, and we'll, we'll look at that to see how that f- fills out. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Somebody please read that. So, how are we supposed to know the will of God? Pardon? No God. No God? And how do we know God? Through His Word. His Word is His will. You could say it's His testament. (laughs) It's His last will. His revealed will. What about the secret will? What's that? What's the secret will? Election. Election. But more broad, that's only one aspect of it. What's the secret will in general? Things that have to be revealed, yeah. Okay, it's a very good point. So do we know his secret will, yes or no? No? We don't know his secret will at all? Pardon? Yeah, go ahead, in the back. Right? Can we know it? Can we know it? <laughs> Do we know his secret will? What he decrees. It's also called his will of decree. No. Yes? It says no here. Ah. Okay, I want you to think about that, though. All right, let me put it this way. Five days ago, did I know if I was going to make it here? That was part of his secret will at that time. Did you know that you were going to make it and listen here to me? No. But now you do. It's an unfolding of a secret will. The moment that it happens, we know. I want you to understand that. It's not by chance you're here. It's by his will. That's why I make a very important statement. You're always in the will of God that way. What would have been if it would have not been God's will for any one of us to be here? Guess what? 
we would not have been here. So the fact that we are here, what does that mean? It's part of his will. So the secret will is secret till the moment it happens. I want you to understand this. It's very important. It had a lot to do with the revealed will too. Because for a lot of people, the secret will never leads to the revealed will. We have been incredibly privileged. That was part of God's secret will that we would have his revealed will. And this moment counts forever. It's without the providence of God, you and I wouldn't have been here this morning, Bob. But yesterday you didn't know it. If you would have had the name John Vanderboon and he would have planned to come to church, he would not have been here for that reason. Now of course he may have not been anyway, but so in one way we are always in God's will. I want you to understand that. The point is not so much necessarily for us and for with regard to the Bible, whether we are in the will of God in the sense that everything happens according to his will, whatever we do, whatever we get and don't get, but whether or not this moment is, is in his favor, that these two wills meet, is going to be for us or against us forever. I think it's very important. So, so God does that. Look at Isaiah 46. God knew the end from the beginning. And uh, my counsel shall stand. Uh, he made that very plain, did he not? So in one sense, all people are, without realizing, doing the will of God. Judas did do the will of God when he betrayed Jesus. Adam and Eve, when they ate of that tree, they did the will of God. They decreed will. It was not God's will of Revelation and desire, but there was his decree. Not by chance, as the Catechism says, but all things by his fatherly hand, right? So, in order for his secret will to unfold in our lives, in his favor, we are to turn to that revealed will and make every use of it we can. Not just read it, but search it. So we may get familiar with what God's revealed will is, what his will of desire is for us. And his will of desire, what's revealed, that all men should repent. Even though that we know his secret will is that somewhat. But that's none of our business. We just saw that. That's what it's secret. God, the Lord says, leave it alone. You deal with the revealed will so that we may Know and do what is right. So, the Lord Jesus says, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And what is that? So, what, how would you summarize the will of God? What is the will of God? Wonderful. I, I'm glad you mentioned the law. That's why we always begin with Sundays. I love that good tradition with reading the law. 
The law is telling us what we Say it again. What we? Oh, is that what the Lord says? Okay, I give you the law, but you cannot do it. Right? Must do. This is what we must do. This is will. But thanks be to God, he gave on Mount Sinai not only the moral law, but also what? Yeah. No. That came later. That was a a filling out of the moral law, the civil law. No, he gave on Mount Sinai the moral law and the ceremonial law. God not only gave the what, but also the how. That's why every Sunday morning we read the law, but we don't stop there. It's followed by the preaching of the gospel. Everything... Because of sin now directs us to Christ. And Jesus prayed. We heard about it this morning. Not my will, but thy will be done. And we pray also, thy will be done in heaven or in earth. We don't pray there that God would do what he decreed. We acknowledge that. He's going to do that. We don't have to persuade God to do that. He's going to do both. The point is, just like search me and try me, is how we would respond to it. So God works in us. For example, Philippians 2, 12, 13. Anybody know what that says? It's not on there, but Philippians 2, 12, 13. Work out. Your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works it in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. There's no better summary than that one. So in other words, God's will is not only his testament, his commandment, but also his pleasure. What did the angels sing again when Jesus was born? Tell me, what were the angels singing? Glory to God. What else? Goodwill to men. You know what the word will can be there, Dr. Barrett? You know? Goodwill toward men. Sorry. Pardon? I got me. (laughs) Anybody? It's the same word as pleasure. Right? Isn't it? Yes. <laughs> you know, I often always mention this. Dr. Barrett's here, of course, I have to make sure that I say the things right. But it's interesting that the will of God is the pleasure of God. What does God say? My little children, it's my father's what? Pleasure to give you what? It's his will. It's his pleasure. It's his delight. So when we delight, I'm Psalm 37 again, a moment. We delight ourselves in God. He will give us the desires of our heart. We will be partakers of that pleasure. How can we be so contrary to keep seeking to please self? Remember what he said outside of the death of self? It's the beginning of prayer. And God has done, there's so many other... He, 
he quoted this morning from Ephesians. Again, here I have a text to Ephesians 1.11. In whom Christ we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will, his own pleasure. So God puts us to work. That's how he works. We don't work our salvation, we work it out because God works it in. But how does he do that? And that brings to the third part. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Now, what does the word first mean here? You get up in the morning, you do your prayer and devotions, and okay, I'm done. Now I can live my life. What do you think does the word first mean here? Priority, foremost. That be always on your mind. When you wake up, when you go to bed, when you do your work, do whatever you do, eat or drink, do all what? To the glory of God. Seek ye first. Kingdom of God is righteousness. All these things shall be added. What are all these things? Pardon? I know, but what are all these things in the context of that verse? Food and clothing, mansions, cars, worries. Pardon? All of it. Yeah, but no, the, the, all these things is again the things that we seek instead of God. God says, seek first all His righteousness, then all the other stuff will be added. It's going to be foremost on our mind. It's extremely important. Before anything else, above anything else. All the other things, if you read that passage over in Matthew 6, you'll see what context it is. Worry about all kinds of stuff. The people that don't know God do that. The people that know God should know this. So where and how do we find his kingdom and his righteousness? Of course, it's in his word. Prayerfully searching it. This is extremely important. If you have not yet... Come to the Lord as a poor, needy sinner and keep coming to him like that and putting all your trust in him, confessing your sins. You have not even begun to do the will of God apart from the will of decree because that's happening. You're sitting here. But you have not begun to obey and do the will of God if you have not yet repented and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. You have not done one thing in your life that's acceptable to God. Not one. As plain as that. It's everything or nothing. And I have the example there of John 15 um, about the vine and the branches. And um, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. That's what I said, right? Nothing. What does it mean actually without me you can do nothing? What is the context? You look at John 14 and 15 and so forth. Okay, I'll ask another question first, then I'll get back to this one. What's the only way that you can abide in this room? Pardon? You've got to get in it. The only way that you can abide in this room is to come into this room. So what's the only way to abide in Christ? There's no other way. 
But then Jesus says, not only that he wants us to come, it's but he wants us to abide in him. I want you to understand that. So without coming to him and abiding him, you're one of those fruitless branches you'll be cut off and burnt. Even though you had a great privilege of hearing the gospel. But if you do, then he still prunes us because we, we, we are so slow to learn, right? What the will of God is in our lives, how we should live, that he keeps on trimming it, pruning. So we would bear more fruit, more fruit. Not just fruit, more fruit. So that's very important. So this important thing is that um, this, is, this is what Jesus talked about. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So if you, if you need to know the will of the Father, you need to come to the Son and through the Son to the Father. So uh, first is then seek ye first. But then it's followed by abide in me. And that's the last part. For 7 and 8 of 15, it's almost a text of this morning. Almost literally. Same apostle writes that. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. It shall be given to you. Herein is my Father glorified to bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. That was the text of this morning. If you ask anything according to the will. To, to, to the Father's will, to God's will, you shall have it. Because it's God's will. We don't have to persuade him, he's persuading us. We tend to put things upside down. So we cannot abide in the word, and the words, God's words cannot abide in us if they do not first enter. Not just reading, but searching the scriptures. There's no shortcut, no magic wand. It's a, it's a, a patient, diligent searching of the scriptures. It takes time. You know, yeah, it's almost time. There's so many beautiful examples, you know. But, um, you know, in the beginning when I have a marriage, if I would, somebody would ask me, if, would Alina something like this or that? Um, I don't know. I'll ask. Now, often people say, you know, say, would you think with Alina? Oh, yeah. What's the difference? I know her. I've gotten to know her. How much more with God? <laughs> I mean, we, we, even as husband and wife, we don't know each other as we wished and as we could or should possibly. And we're both sinners. Say by grace, thanks be to God. So it takes time. Spouse, friends. So just like you know your friend or spouse, the more you know them, the more you know what they want. So with God, the more you know him and his word, the more you know what he wants. And that's a, a thing, and I think I should conclude almost with that, but I remember Dr. Greer. Were you still there, Dr. Greer? No. Anybody still remember Dr. Greer at the seminary? Oh, some of you do. A wonderful, godly man. He taught uh, one particular class, never forget. I think it was ethics. He talked, yeah. Oh, he taught me. Do you know maybe what I mean? What he said about forming our mind and our thinking, what he called that? He yeah, it has to do with worldview, but that's a word that almost everybody knows. He introduced me to a word that I had never thought of before. And you know what it is called? Sanctified common sense. Fits him, right? 
Yeah, he passed away, but oh, what? sanctified common sense. <clears throat> you know what that is? Sometimes you make decisions and you stop and you pray. Sometimes you wrestle, as we heard this morning. But sometimes, no. Most of the time, throughout every day, you make decisions, you say things, you do things without giving it a second thought. You and I, the more we have the word absorbed, the more we do these things without realizing biblically. Because we're habituated, we're trained to think biblically. That's why we need to drink in the word. It's going to affect us even when we don't realize it. That's what he called sanctified common sense. The world can have common sense, even though it seems to be gone nowadays. I sometimes honestly wonder if they're out of their mind, and I think they are. Romans 1 makes it clear. Given over to a reprobate mind. God has given the believer the privilege to have sanctified common sense. Even when you're not consciously thinking about God, you're in your thinking pattern, you're impacted by the Word of God way more than you realize. What a privilege. But we can always improve. That's why we must have these words abide in us. Like water, the water of life. Like the tree planted by the riverside in Psalm 1. We will have abundant fruit. And then, you know what? When you do all these things, you will know what you need to do when time comes. You may not always be as certain as you wish to be, but you're very likely to do what God wants according to his revealed will. Even when you make mistakes and sins, it still is part of God's plan, however painful that is. No excuse for sin. I always, no excuse. It happens by God's decree. In one sense, he willed it. <laughs> it's part of his secret will. His revealed will is that we would be cut to the heart, repent and confess and go back to him and be forgiven. I don't want to minimize sin, but I want to maximize grace. So if you want to know the will of God, maybe some food for thought for today. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the unspeakable gift of Thy Son, the living Word, so that not only we would know Thy will with regard to our state before Thee, to be saved from sin and death and condemnation to salvation, but also that we may know Thy revealed will in the sense of justification and sanctification and eventual glorification. Oh God, help us to see that these are things that we should not need to do because we have to, but because we want to. That we may delight ourselves in Thee. And so have the desires of our heart fulfilled. As it were our blueprint for happiness is to be other-directed, to love thee above all, <clears throat> and our neighbor as ourselves. And Lord, <clears throat> what a wonder that thou hast not only commanded perfection, but also provided perfection in Jesus. And we thank thee for that. And we pray this in the forgiveness of our sins. Go with us, Lord, the rest of this day, for Jesus' sake. Amen.